This week on Dr. Drew After Dark. I'm the guy who's had so little sex in his life. I think my fetish is his gratitude. You know? <laughs> but the idea that he could get it for masturbating is kind of cute. <laughs> because where is the chlamydia coming in? It's a gigantic room. It's like thousands of people. We so. have a billion people. I can sell tickets. Yeah, you were on the, but they didn't, you didn't move the Kennedy Center to, to Mumbai. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. And welcome, everybody. Dr. Drew After Dark. Of course, 818-253-1693 is the phone number and the emails can keep on coming at drdrewafterdark at gmail.com. Been reading through your guys' emails. They are great. I'll we'll try to get as many as I possibly can. Of course, we'll take some live calls with Veer Das today. Welcome, my friend. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Check him out on his national green light tour. Go to Veer Das. That's V I R D E V I R D A S dot I N. Yes, I I had dot com, and then when I was 29, I defaulted on payments because I was broke. And some bastard bought it in the half an hour that I de- defaulted. What? And now he owns virdas.com and will not sell it back to Is me. Is he doing anything with it? He's just holding. I, I I feel like it's either one of those just website holder services yeah, yeah. or like a competing comedian. Oh. I'm not sure which wow, one. Wow, we'll have to oh. investigate that. Yeah. yeah, this asshole's doing nothing with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you were in The Bubble on Netflix. Yes. You've got a bunch of uh, films you've done. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, I, I have, um, I think I've, I've been in uh, about 14 um, Hindi movies. And then uh, I was recently in The Bubble and I have four Netflix specials. So crazy. you can kind of check those out. That's crazy. And your life is like, I don't even know how to describe it. You've, you lived in more... more and Nomadic, from, pretty nomadic. Nomadic and from yeah. the standpoint of sort of the United States sort of exotic places. You've lived a lot of interesting places. I think whenever the universe senses that I'm happy, it moves me uh, to some place where I won't be. And, is, <laughs> and then I have to find it all over again. Welcome. <laughs> this is one of those places. So uh, where do you live now? Uh, I live in Goa and Mumbai. Goa is a tiny beach town uh, a little bit outside Mumbai. But no, I was born in Delhi, but then raised in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, and just as soon as I think my first girl talked to me in school in Nigeria, I was sent off to boarding school in India. Of course. I got my ass whooped because I was the kid from Nigeria. Perfect. Um, you were, wait, you, wait, hold on. You were the kid from India in Nigeria. I was the kid from India in Nigeria. That's where they kicked your ass. Yes. That's where they kicked my ass. And then I went to boarding school in India. Oh, well, I was the Nigerian kid in boarding school. Oh, I see. They they kicked your ass. Then they kicked my ass. Uh, Just to set up for a career in comedy. uh, After that, went to public school in New Delhi where I got my ass kicked because I was the kid from boarding school. Um, and then just as I think, maybe like the morning after I'd, I'd lost my virginity in Delhi University. Congratulations. Uh, I got sent to Galesburg, Illinois. For Why? College. What do you mean sent? Uh, the mecca of civilization is yeah, <laughs> right. And what, what did, how, what, who, who thought that was a good idea? The, uh, my parents, there's a place called Knox College. And I wanted to study econ, and they do uh, large amounts of financial aid. Ah. And so I went to like, Cornfield College, Cornfield. Um, Understood. One Kmart, one JCPenney America. And it was great. And when did uh, comedy hit? I was always like a, a Richard Pryor fan and like an Eddie Murphy fan. And growing up in Africa, you get 
a lot of black artists on TV. And so those were the them and Will Smith were the two guys that we got to see, or three guys that we got to see. Um, and I just kind of grew up watching them. And then I think I went to like an American drama program mm-hmm. where where it's it's pretty hardcore. Like they say things like emote with your shoulders and and you well, know you, I, you, my notes say it was a stanislavski oh, you know Stan- moscow and harvard yeah. combined sort it, of yeah you know it, hardcore theatrical program so it it's was, it's where stanislavski if anybody doesn't know is the guy that invented the uh, method acting met, so it was a lot of sitting in a circle and crying oh, and um at the end of that i just wanted something a little more organic mm. And How about so, fun and fun <laughs> and, and so for my final thesis show i wrote a show called brown men can't hump uh, because remember, there's a movie called White Men Can't. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And uh, I mean, we have a billion people, so clearly we can. And uh, <laughs> I, I did a 90 minute performance. I guess you can't help outside of India. W- well, I mean, how did you end up in Nigeria? What, what was the the move? My dad got a job just when, when I was a year old. And engineering kind of, or something? It sounds like uh, a manufacturing. Funny, manufacturing. Manufacturing job. Okay. And so yeah, we just. Uh, I did 90 minutes for 800 people the first time I did stand up mm. and it was How did that happen? I just booked the college theater and kind of wrote the show, you know. 800 people showed up? Uh, the college. Wow. You know. Do was there a buzz or, or about it or something? Yeah, I, I, I put posters up. Is I, that the one the uh, the brown man comes Okay, so the name got people in the yeah. door. Okay. And my psychology is always to kind of print the poster first and then kind of chase the poster. Understand. You, you <laughs> Design the show later. Yeah, you know. Is that something that Stanislavski advocated? Maybe, maybe. Uh, and they showed up and it went really well and then cut to, you know, I was so really... So op- that, that you're hooked right then. I'm hooked. So that was sort of a one-man show, comedic show, yeah. not a stand-up thing so much. It was terrible. It was inside jokes for friends, you know, uh, largely. Well, it's a college campus, so you can do that, right? Yeah, and, and the entire college is like 1,400 kids. That's so. why people want to... Oh, yeah. that's why, but, they, but they like that. They like, you know... Yeah. So that makes sense. But but that still wasn't a stand-up, right? So no. They, but then you... But I imagine you're a college kid and you think, oh, I've mastered stand-up. They oh, love yeah. me. I'm going to go go to the, the improv and stand-up yeah. and I'll be great. Yeah, I'm the shit at, the, at this and, point. And how'd that go? Uh, then I went to Mike's in Chicago, which is on the south side, and they mm-hmm. do an open mic. And I think I was booed off stage um, seven weeks in a row. It's Fantastic. a south side room, so very Fantastic. unforgiving. And I think maybe my first laugh was... Yeah, you have to keep in mind. Like, I, I was just broke. I was a dishwasher. Women were maintaining a nine-mile radius around me. Sure. Um, and I think I went up and started screaming. <laughs> and it's by no means a good joke, but I was like, "You Americans don't understand how important Indians are. We drive your taxis. We, we're doctors who check out your wife's equipment. We sell you newspapers. We serve you food. Without Indians, you'd be starving, stranded, sexless, sterile, and stupid." And uh, that was my first laugh. And they got it. Okay, it's good. Yeah. Southside liked it. Yeah. Uh, and then you just thought it got hooked and I got to just figure it out from there. Is that what happened? Or did, were you doing other things at the same time? I was washing dishes at a place called the Grand Lux Cafe on Michigan Avenue. That's a big restaurant. It's a big restaurant. And uh, lots of dishes. And yeah. It's this huge, it's upstairs and it's, I mean, huge restaurant. Yeah. It's like the Cheesecake Factory's yes. fine like, dining. I think it is their, yeah, their it's the thing. the same company. Yeah. 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 And so I was doing that and um, my visa expired and I had to go back and then I mean were you what were you thinking then like comedy 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 no or, I was thinking I'd, I'd do an MFA program and teach Shakespeare uh, and the following year I got into something called the Alabama Shakespeare Festival um, 
which is an MFA program in Montgomery, Alabama, where there is one other brown person. <laughs> I know because we saw each other in a parking lot and ran to each other like two pandas who had found each other. <laughs> and I, I dropped out in like three months. I was too young to do it, I think. And, and have you been in multiple Shakespearean productions? I have done... Uh, what, what kind of roles they put you in? I, Leontes in Winter's Tale, uh, Aaron in Titus Andronicus, Richard III. So I've done some stuff. Sort of a... What are the two? There's two kind of in Tempest, the uh, the king's man. There's a bunch of people around the king in the Tempest. Anyway, there's there's, there's all kinds of interesting people. People think about Lear and Desmond, yeah. uh, you know, the main characters. But there's a lot of other stuff. Oh yeah, going on. Gravediggers are the most interesting Shakespearean Solario characters and ever. And, you know, so those are the ones telling you the truth. Yeah, and, and then I just kind of went back to India and started doing stand up. Mm-hmm. And so you did in India first. Yeah. And it was a, a good time because stand-up was this very kind of posh, uh, slightly older art form. And then suddenly this kid shows up who's talking about young things. And I, I got an audience pretty fast. Interesting. So, I mean, I'm just, it's such a crazy, interesting life you've led. I'm, I'm curious how you perceive cultural issues, like like what's going on in this country right now and what you perceive, I, I'm, I'm just imagining things, you see things differently. Well, I, I see them from an outsider's perspective, it, which it, sometimes is a more friendly perspective. Uh, I would venture to say, I, when I show up in America, I have, I have no dog in the race. I have no campaign that yeah. I'm, uh, you know, camp that I'm aligned with. Yeah. You just kind of see it for what it is. I, I kind of feel that way myself, and yet I'm in it. Yeah. You know, having come from it, what, what do you think is going on with us these days? That's one of the things I'm always trying to figure out. What is up with this country? It's very different than it used to be. I think you are grappling with the fact that everybody's voice is equally loud. Mm. And that's something that you've never had to grapple with before. So that's the social media, essentially. I I think so. Uh, And I also think you're globally grappling with the fact that you're not the only seat at the table. Right. That there are more seats at the table. Right. And that maybe our seat doesn't even matter sometimes. No, I think it does. But I just think there's there's equal-sized seats next to you right now. And and so the global table is shifting a little bit as well. But, yeah. It's a weird way for us to deal with all that. I think so. But, but, I mean, weird is as weird does, right? We have our own weirdness back home. Oh, I'm sure. No no judgment. And and how are things in India? They're great in terms of the future is looking bright where... Hopefully, the third largest economy in the world soon. We're the youngest country in the world right now. You you were critical of India at one point and flew home. Well, critical is a. a I was um, truthful. I, I think I I, I did. You were piece. expressing some truths that no, yeah. people didn't want to hear. Maybe. Yeah. I, it, I, you, it, they went viral in India, right? In India, yes. And you were shit on pretty thoroughly for it. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, so context is, I did a piece called "The Two Indias," and it was sort of. A tribute to my nation in that uh, a lot of times we're painted in darkness, but we should remember the light. Where did you do it? Where did, was At the Kennedy Center. Uh, and so it was, uh, you know, here's what's not wrong and here's what's right. Who are you presenting to? This my audience, which is largely Indian people. You know, there was about so, 3,000 So you booked Indian. the Kennedy Center? Yeah. The big room? Yeah. It's a gigantic room. It's like thousands of people. We so. have a billion people. I can sell tickets. Yeah, you weren't, they, but they didn't, you didn't move the Kennedy Center to, to <laughs> Mumbai. Yeah. So this was, and so these are fans of yours, right? Your comedy fans? Touchwood, yes. Comedy yeah. fans. Yes. That came and you gave sort of a little bit of a political side speech? Or something? Yeah, it was kind of like a piece and, and you know, it was brand new. Uh, I had a paper in my hand and we put it up and it got, you know, in the neighborhood of 30 million views. And then I... I think we all have the angry news channel in our country. 
you know, respectively. And so... God, everything's the angry news channel here, right. though. So they took a clip and put it up and then called me a terrorist on the news and there were some complaints filed and I had to... Was there anybody in the room that night that stood up or had an issue or... No, 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 it was fine. The room seemed to accept it. The room seemed fine. Uh, and were then... These, were these Americans? I mean... No, it was, it was Indians. In, the, Indian citizens who were living in the, around D.C. Or, or like a, a second generation, you know, okay. Indian American families, right, right, et cetera. Right. And then... I think my my lawyer put it really well. She's like a news cycle is eight days, and if you're still on the news on day nine, you're screwed. You have a problem, <laughs> you know. And on day six or seven, like somebody turned the light out, it, it kind of went out. away. So you, you know? nobody came after you. See here, Not, here they they don't stop until somebody's in bleeding or in in pain in some way. I think uh, the way I can see it is if you're you don't get to predict when you create a conversation, but you have to honor the conversation. And if you're an artist, don't react to it, try and learn from it. But you'll have your moment in the sun for either praise or a beating. Mm. Uh take it, shut up, and then join the back of the line and hope to God there's enough people in line in front of you where it doesn't happen again. The way it doesn't happen again. What did you say in that in that speech? I said it, a bunch it, of stuff. Is it a speech technically? Yeah. A... Uh, well, a piece, but you know, I said it once and it was bad enough, so I'd rather not say it again. Okay. Can, can <laughs> That's you, okay. Can, can you tell me the general I, I, I know India gets gets a lot of criticism criticism for the cast history. Well, I don't think system. that's so much of a you know uh, an issue, but it, it was just picking out different issues and saying here's the light side and here's the darker side of mm. it. But it was literally just one news channel that L kind of. Let me ask because we're we're ignorant over here. So so let me ask it this way: What don't we know in about India? Country? Yeah. A, how much you need us? Uh, mm. Just in terms of young, skilled population. Um, I think I think they're aware they're mostly taking the jobs <laughs> from people here. Don't worry. Immigrants will be replaced by AI. They'll take the jobs <laughs> now. Uh, I don't know if, if you need to know much about India. You know, uh, I, Let okay. me ask uh, I have another question. Here's, here's what I'd love to, to yeah. put out there. Yeah. Humbly to yeah. to um, to the American sort of cultural conversation. Yeah. Is how about the next time you do a movie about Indians? that is produced uh, out of America, we're not the richest people in the world or the poorest people in the world, you know? So it isn't always the grandest Bollywood wedding or like Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. How about like a normal Indian who wears like normal clothes? So, so there's, a, nice. there's a big middle class. We don't really know that. No, not at all. And, and is that mixed? Is the caste thing an issue anymore? Is that sort of live, people live by that? Less and less it? every day. Less and less. Um, it's actually very interesting. Yeah. Right? Um uh, Gosh, there was something I was just going to get into. Oh, that escapes me. We What we do on this show is we take some calls, we take okay. some email stuff, and it's sort of you give people advice. Nice. Up for that. Yeah. Uh, this, let me just start it kind of easy. Let me see if I've got something. Mm, okay, this is a good one. Uh, this is Jake. I'll talk to him. Hey, Jake, what's going on? Oh, how you doing, Dr. Drew? We're good, Jake. You're on with Veer Das. Hello, Jake. How you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Here's you tell much. us the problem. Here you go do it. Here we are. Uh, so I've been having uh, anxiety for, I've had it since college. Mm -hmm. uh, been in between medications. Started on Klonopin. Got off of that because didn't like the addiction to it. Uh, went on to Zoloft. Mm -hmm. And as of recently, I've been having issues before going on dates. I'll get really nervous and throw up. Oh, boy. And have you, has anybody tried any exposure therapy for the anxiety? What would that be? 
it's sort of where it's like it's your kind of anxiety is sort of free floating, so it might not be exactly uh, treatable this way, but it's essentially evoking the anxiety and helping you deal with it and, and work through it. It's exposing you to the things that cause the anxiety. This is why, by the way, I'm going to interrupt you for a second, Jake. That this is one of the reasons I'm so so disturbed by these uh, safe spaces and emotional mm-hmm. triggers and all that stuff. It's the opposite of mental health. Mental health is about flexibility and adaptability. Yeah. And when we're treating people like Jake, you expose them to these things yeah. that make them uncomfortable, so they can learn to manage and and regulate. It's 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 is is India have that same stuff where they're well, I mean, I not of course at a at his level, but I can definitely relate to being anxious before a date and, and have that having like a physical effect on you. But I mean, in India, they are they doing this so much of what we do here, where you're not allowed to speak if it upsets somebody, and people get triggered, and people have to have safe spaces, and this craziness. I would sometimes venture to say the the American sort of conception of what constitutes cancel culture, yeah, is a little cute. Oh, uh, compared yeah, to you guys? Yeah, sometimes. It's, Yours involves swords? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of sweet, you know, <laughs> in that. But I also think, on the flip side, that you can complain that you cannot say anything anymore, but sometimes you're also complaining that other people can say things as loudly as you can as well. Mm-hmm. So there's like a middle ground to be found in those two things, I think, you know? And so, Jake, the, the, you know, the anxiety you're having, is it just around social events? Or is it all the time? Other things? Uh, mostly around social events for sure. That's like going to the supermarket or like just being in crowded space is not really the best thing. Not being, saying that again one more time? Being in crowded spaces like for me isn't Uh, just always the best thing. Okay. So it's, that's, you know, agoraphobia when people, you know, don't like big spaces or crowds, that kind of thing. And that's where generalized anxiety goes. It can go to agoraphobia. Uh, Zoloft is a treatment for it. Clonopin is not a long-term solution because it's addictive, as you found. I, I mean, there's two. I've talked, discussed this before. There's sort of two general approaches to this kind of anxiety. One is exposure, and you know, but you have to get somebody who can has training in that. The other is uh, sort of deeper kinds of therapy to kind of go out whatever the anxiety is coming from, which is time-consuming and people don't like you know doing that. It maybe doesn't even work as well as uh, strictly the exposure therapy. But you kind of have to take yourself by the hand and put yourself out into these situations and develop skill with them. So having a skill as much as anything helps you with reducing some of the anxiety. Yeah, and, and a little bit of, at a time, I would say. Like, if crowded spaces are a problem, do not visit Mumbai anytime soon. <laughs> it's just something I want to put out there. It's probably yeah. not good for you. It, and you could talk to somebody who has experience treating anxiety disorders, that kind of thing, because this clearly is not just, you have sort of generalized anxiety, social anxiety, agoraphobia, and there are people that can help you with that stuff, but it is going to be about doing the things that make yeah. you uncomfortable, and you got to be ready for that. And I would suggest you start doing it right away on your own. Uh, <laughs> there's an easy one. Dan, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Dr. Drew? What's happening there? My uh, my question for you today was um so I had a bronchial cleft cyst class mm-hmm. two this thing was almost the size of a softball pretty much on the side side of my neck um, I had it for a while um, physicians assistants kind of like veered me away from going to get um, some like tests and stuff kind of said it was nothing that would make go away um, but this thing pretty much grew up to the size of a softball before I really ended up actually doing anything with it. So, 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 so they just, they thought it, they probably thought it was just a, a lot of what I got. They probably just thought it was a simple cyst. 
like it was just a regular old little like a subcutaneous cyst or something. The branchial cleft cyst are things right. that are left over from development. The, 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 all this comes from the branchial clefts, and they have some potential spaces in there that usually close up, but sometimes they're left behind, and they need to be taken out. I'm actually the one Indian who's not a doctor, so I don't know anything about this stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was talking to a doctor. I beg your pardon. I made a mistake. But uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say, Dan? Uh, so my question was, what do you think causes the infection to where these would actually blow up? Because my EMT had said that within the community, the medical community, that nobody really has a concise answer to what causes the infections for these to blow up. Was yours actually infected or did you just get fluid filled? It was infected to the point where it was starting to get fluid into it. Right. And I had to take, you know, like clinical steroids, steroids and um, some antibiotics to just get the swelling down to finally eventually get surgery a couple months down. Right. So I'm not sure anybody can answer that for you unless somehow, I mean, the branchial pouches and stuff are sort of connected up with the mouth and throat and stuff. I'm wondering if something is, has a tiny capacity to get in that way. Uh, but other than that, I, I mean, cysts, you know, their bacteria kind of fly around in our system a little bit and cysts, things tend to get into cysts, but usually it's from the skin. So I, I'm not sure either. I don't know, Dan. Alrighty. It's just one of them things. One of them yeah, things. It was definitely a very anomaly for me. Yeah, it's it's not something people commonly talk about, but their congenital stuff, interestingly, doesn't sort of enter the public, the common lexicon that much. Here's an interesting, uh, you know, well, a lot he of- should actually visit Mumbai. I'm just saying, not the previous guy, but like, if, if the American doctors couldn't figure it out, maybe a trip to Mumbai. I'm there just you go. My, There's my, certainly yeah. plenty of doctors yeah. there. Uh, here's female 32. I thought it was normal to taste things that get that get put in the nether region. Not just semen, but also tree tea, aloe, this thing I use in my body. Immediately, it's like my breath. When I use it down under, it's in my breath. I've been adverse to dating people with bad lifestyles because it tastes so nasty. Is this psychosomatic or a thing? Why am I breathing out tea tree when I use it on my vagina? Wow. Wow, indeed. Firstly, how good is life going <laughs> if you have tea tree on your vagina? I'm just saying... Uh, as opposed to just cotton underwear. If there's tea tree in your nether regions, privilege has been good. <laughs> American privilege. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, so this it's weird because I had never really heard of this until recently when some a woman reported, one of our callers, in fact, that she could taste semen things when after an orgasm. And I thought, well, there's a lot of, it's an absorptive region. Maybe there's something about semen that's in some molecule that causes the taste that gets absorbed. It's possible. I, my only, and this is a comedian's mind. Like I'm like, if you can taste it, how big is the guy's dick? That's all I'm <laughs> so thinking, right? If it's reaching. Funny, I had a comedian on when uh, that question came up, and that's exactly where he went to. That is a comedian <laughs> mind. Oh my gosh! All right, this this is an interesting one. This is uh, Chris. Hey, Chris, go ahead. Hey, uh, Dr. Drew, it's good to talk to you. Uh, my question is around uh, on the other side of a, a divorce, about seven mm -hmm. months, um, a result of infidelity on the part of my wife. Uh -huh. And got two children. Just wondering um, how much or if anything to explain to them. They're currently completely in the dark mm. about uh, everything that happened. Um, I'm just wondering if... Do, do I ride this out? They're, they're in a good place uh, emotionally right now. I just worry about future if this is somehow uh, exposed to them. How old are they? 
Uh, currently 10 and 13. What do you think? I think it entirely depends on how good their relationship is with their mother. Because mm. good even co-parenting in a divorce is about preserving not yours, but the other parent's relationship with the kid. Um, so it in would other words, entirely if it's, if it's bad, you might do it, be inclined to tell them? Or if it, I, which, which way would it have to go for you to be inclined it, to disclose They them? would have to have a secure enough relationship good with relationship. their mother where they could conceive of her being fallible in so that area. I, I kind of think that that may be a good answer, but I sort of think generally what goes on in the relationship between the parents is not the kid's business. Yeah. And and if they want to know once they're adults, then by all means. But once they are still essentially children and dependent on you, that's not their business. Uh, then things didn't work out uh, because kids. The the real problem with telling children is they have a tendency to blame themselves for everything that happens, and it's not even a tendency; it's a normal feature of childhood, particularly around age six to ten or so. So if you, you know if if you say you know your mom she's straight a bit. They're going to think it's because she didn't love the child, didn't love me, right? And so I, I would just focus as much as possible on maintaining everybody's relationships, keeping things you know as stable for them as possible. And then when they're on 18 to 20, uh, if they want to hear more, <laughs> have at it. Yeah. <laughs> have, have at it then. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I do. Yeah, sense. Um, yeah, I just I worry about uh, what 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 that'll do to uh, a person at that age of just kind of having that, uh, sh you know, that, that, that idea shattered, if you will. What do you mean? Is that who her mother was, their mother was or something? Sure. Well, yeah. I think you, even when you tell them, you've got to say, Hey, we, this is our relationship. This yeah. wasn't about you. It didn't work out. I mean, is there something outrageous about her behavior that, that, you know, that would make it extraordinary? No, it was a, a, a multi-year thing that was, you know, obviously hidden from me as well, and then yeah. people in my own aspect of it. But yeah. um, no, I mean, it, we are on the other side of it. There's, you know, a good, good enough co-parenting situation. So, um, just seeking out opinions on this front. Yeah, that sort of be my opinion. And who would tell the kids at, at young age what happened, right? Yeah, I, I worry that you know there's enough people in in you know amongst my family members that uh, that know that it could get out. Mm. Well, I think at very minimum you have a reasonable position to tell the kids if it does get out, which is like, hey, yeah. look, we want you to know we love you. Our relationship is our business. And that's gen that's generally the you know there's there is a general something in in parenting these days where people feel like they have to tell their kids everything, they, they do not. Uh, and they, you can, you can, for instance, uh, the one I talk about all the time is uh, drug and alcohol use. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have your, if you don't want your kids using drugs and alcohol until they're 18, you tell them do not use drugs and alcohol until 18. And when they ask you, well, what did you do? Is that, that's not up, for, that's not, up, that's not what we're talking about. And I, I guarantee you, as it pertains to that topic, Telling them, well, you know, I used to get high, or I got in a car accident when I was when I was drinking. I don't want that to happen to you. None of that will matter. You will have by talking about what you did when you were their age. You are issuing a license 
to start where you left off. Yeah. Uh, and so it's the same yeah. thing. It's like, hey, this isn't your business. It's ours. We wish it had worked out. We can talk about it. You know, we're not going to talk. We're, I, it's not something I wanted to share with you. Uh, and uh, I'll actively share it when we can discuss in greater detail when you're older. I also think that, you know, the, the old adage of talking to your kids like they're adults comes mm -hmm. from a time when kids got to experience childhood. Right now, the average kid, by the time they're 13 years old, has seen more colors and has had more information and visuals and, and things in their head than we did by the time we were 20 years old. Yes. So do everything you can to preserve whatever childhood yes, they have. Yes, I think that's actually correct. So we've got uh, some video questions in here. Let's take uh, that one video question. I'm not quite sure what's coming here. Hey, everyone. Oh, yeah. This, this was video is of my husband, wow. Tyler. In January 2021, he started taking medication for depression and anxiety. And by March 2021, he started turning a grayish blue color. And um, as you can see by the end of the video, he's now a dark blackish color. None of the specialists know why his body reacted this way to the medicine. Um, but they want, he wants to know if there's anyone else out there that this has happened to or if anyone has any answers as to why his body reacted this way to the medicine. Um, it's his ears, face, neck, arm, hands. It's everywhere that the sunlight sees. Like his legs, he wears pants every day for work, so his legs aren't affected by this or anything. But all areas that the sunlight sees is affected by it and he's really dark now it's wild right I however this works out can i just say welcome uh, <laughs> i think i was just thinking i hope tan mom doesn't find out about this yeah. uh he there what were people taking around covid they were taking was a silver nitrate that's what i remember them taking and it turned their skin into this slate color oh god yeah and it's very similar to that but that's not what he was doing i at first, I started thinking, I wonder if he's taking that surreptitiously, and the wife doesn't know it. But the the slate color, the gray, can you kind of picture that? It's like gray, slate-colored skin, silver, nitrate, whatever. Um, but then it's it's clearly still a reaction to the sun, because his pants don't have it, right? Exactly. And that, that was the part that was so peculiar to me. Like, if it were the silver product, it would be all over, all over his body, yeah. and not just sun-exposed. So I started thinking that... You know, antidepressants sometimes are ring structures, mm -hmm. and ring-structured chemicals get into the skin, and they hold the sun's energy, right? They can concentrate it. But usually that causes sunburn. Yeah. But I'm wondering if this guy tans really easily or something, and it's just causing sun tanning instead of burning. Are you finding anything uh, when you look it up, guys? Anybody? Oh, I thought you just... Asked for me to put the video back up. <laughs> no, no, no. I wanted you to look up uh, it, like COVID silver slate skin, something like that. Uh, I think it was silver night. They were drinking it or something crazy like that. Mm. The, uh, yeah, silver colloids, uh, colloidal silver. There it is. That's the color. Yeah. See that color? Jeez. Silver colloids. All right, interesting. Uh, we got some, uh, let's see, calls coming in. Uh, how about voice messages? Any voicemails? Yeah, we got a couple ones for you. Hey, Daddy Drew. This is Ethan calling in. I had a quick question about um, chlamydia and the reinfection of chlamydia. Mm. I was recently diagnosed with chlamydia, and I have uh, seven days, no sex. I was wondering if you can reinfect yourself. 
with masturbation. Thank you. <sighs> okay, just just so I know, which one is chlamydia? Is it the one that never goes away, or is it the one that stays? It, it, uh, or the one that goes herpes away? Herpes is the one that never goes away. Okay. Chlamydia is the one that can stay for a long time without treatment. But it goes away easily with treatment, typically. So is it gonorrhea or is it... Gonor- chlamydia is the one that will hide in the fallopian tubes ah. and stay there for long, long periods of time and cause damage. Th- then in men, chlamydia is usually symptomatic and usually it goes away when you treat it. But the idea that he could get it from masturbating is kind of cute. <laughs> because where is the chlamydia coming in? Uh, he can go masturbate as long I'm, I, unless he's using some. I don't know. Somebody it, else to masturbate. Somebody else to use yeah. masturbate, yeah. or is it, could a flashlight somehow be contaminated? I don't think so. I all I know about so. chlamydia is that koala bears have it. Like all they, koala they bears do have it. That's true. Have chlamydia, uh, and there, but there's different kinds of chlamydia. There's, this is chlamydia trachomatis. There's chlamydia that can affect the eye, the lungs. Oh. It's just an organism. It's much like saying, you know, a pox virus or something. It's just ah. a class of, of, of organisms. A um, couple of months ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, I had mommy Christina on. I casually mentioned how people who have strict physical requirements for their romantic partners have a history of some kind of trauma. I was mm, not. I'm sorry if that's how you took it. It wasn't exactly what I meant, but okay. Can you expand? I once had a beautiful girl tell me I was the perfect guy, kind, handsome, smart, funny, but she wouldn't date me because I wasn't six three or taller, and I don't have light brown hair and green eyes. I always thought it was weird to have such strict, specific standards. And I wondered what what that was about. Um, David, um, you know, David, as a five foot eight brown man <laughs> with black hair and brown eyes. Uh, I empathize. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, just and, be hating. And some yeah. preferences are just preferences, right? I and height is, for instance, a common preference for yeah. women. It may have some evolutionary adaptive component to it. Really, what I was saying was that when you've had traumatic experiences, you will be attracted to people and circumstances that remind you of those original traumas. Okay, and they will form a. Tra- you'll literally be attracted to those kinds of people. And as that repeats, and you start noticing that when I go after that kind of guy, I'll not do that again. And inevitably, they find somebody that re-traumatizes them. Because what, what happens is our system is so effective, it's so efficient, what should I say, perfect uh, as an instrument, that if you had trauma and you find yourself repeatedly attracted to a certain kind of person, even when you're trying to do the opposite, if you feel lightning bolts for that person, mm-hmm. it will be the same kind of person. But then does that manifest with you setting like physical standards? Not that usually, resemb- not yeah. usually. Uh, it can have certain physical features, but I was not, I was, that's not what I was talking about. Yeah. She, she, he took it rather literally what I was saying. Yeah. And I think physical standards are kind of, there's a million reasons why people have certain physical yeah. attributes. Sometimes I wonder even if it's genetic or something, like our genes. Give us, us preferences physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, it's, it's weird though to me that we would have evolved for that because what we're better, we're a more healthy population when we mix. Yeah. We mix with different genetic backgrounds. So I don't know why we'd evolve to be tra- attracted to similar. It's kind of a weird feature that humans have and, and not, not exactly our, our best feature. Yeah, I've, I've never had sort of a, a type. All I know is like, I need to be your project. Uh, <laughs> No, you you need to be the project. Yeah, I need you to don't... be the project. So I so not them. You're no, not working no, working on them. I need them. to be their project. That's like, good. I'm your fixer. They're gonna fix you. That's good. <laughs> That's nice. Another voicemail. Doctor Drew, 
Booth Boys. My name's Joe. I'm a mommy from Wisconsin, and I have a cum question. Boys. I just peed after having sex, and I swear it feels like there's just pee at the tip of my dick for minutes on end. No matter how much I push, no matter how much I just wait, it right. just always feels like it's there. Right. Ten, twenty minutes later, I can finally drain it out. What's that all about? I know the cum stored in the balls, all that good stuff, but like, can you shed some light on that? All right. Also, touch my camera through the fence there. Ooh, all right, love you guys. Rough. Bye. Wow. So uh, that's urethritis, urethral irritation. Semen can be somewhat irritating sometimes. And homophobia, but also and mostly homophobia. urethritis. So yeah, but yeah. Homophobia is in there too. Yeah. Uh, and he, he um, it's a nothing. I, I mean, if it persists, you know, for days after you've had sex, uh, that's an infection mm-hmm. that needs to get checked out. But immediately following sex, it's not uncommon to guys to feel like they have an, an urge there, an urgency, or, or they need to pee, but there's nothing there. So... All right, uh, let's go to more TikToks here. Let's take a look at some of these things. Yeah, we got we got a couple more fun ones for you. TikToks? Yeah. All right. Oh boy, when when they when they tell you that, just prepare yourself. Come on, let's watch them before you ban it. Yeah. <laughs> Rice ball is a beloved pet guinea pig that was entrusted to me by her owner to preserve. Once her skin was processed, her carcass was used to make a mold, and then a form was made with foam and clay. So I'm going to be doing a test fitting here just to make sure that everything is lining up right and it's looking like it's going to be a good fit. She was old and had bad skin in her final year of life and as a result she's shedding a bit so I'm trying to be very gentle. And with a little bit more adjusting, there we go. It's looking like she's ready to mount. Pretty cool, huh? Is this t- like a taxidermy lesson, or is this a woman that can't get over the loss of her hamster? I'm just a little bit I, of both. I, no matter how much you love them, they wind up as a sock. Is that what this is? <laughs> Fuck! Uh, it's not something I thought I'd be seeing today. I, yeah, nor have I ever thought I'd ever see, for that matter. But what I always thought taxidermy was sort of literally stuffed. I didn't realize they make a clay mold. But I guess she wants to put it in different positions, right? I mean, we're both learning here. I don't care. Well, she must be an interesting person. Yeah, I always thought taxidermy was you suck some stuff out, but then you put some stuff in. in right? This, I didn't well, know you just hollowed out a layer and then spread it over something. That's no, it's pretty wild. I, it's kind of like sure. fashion design, really, if you think about it, like more than anything else. All right, what else you got? Okay, you ready for this shit? Watch this. I would like a mocha frappuccino. Okay, is that usually one of the most popular drinks? It is one of the most popular ones. That's awesome. I want one of those then. Well, there they are. 570 fucking calories, oh. 83 grams of fucking sugar, 140 grams of caffeine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to do with this? Throw it out. You know, the shit that almost killed me. That's where it fucking belongs. Have a good day. Remember, don't let them kill you. Don't let those motherfuckers kill us. So I'm guessing, <laughs> what do you say? I know six people in Mumbai who if they saw you buy, they would assault this man. Like yeah, right. if, if we saw you throwing away fully all bought good, food. All those good calories. Yeah. No, look, he, uh, this dude isn't, this guy I'm, I'm guessing has been angry his whole life, yeah. right? Yeah. And he yeah. did not just throw it away. He had to heave it into the can, like yeah. show how aggressive him, he is. Uh, my guess is he probably overconsumed carbohydrates and sugars and has diabetes now. And that's why he's saying this shit almost killed me because he probably ate frappuccinos all the time. And whose fault is that? That you you don't you didn't you didn't know that frappuccino is just a milkshake. Also, bro, if this is the victory, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like that you're looking for. There are bigger victories in yeah. life. Like for instance, dandruff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look at the sweatshirt. I'm seeing it. I yeah, get right. it. It's all over the place. Yeah. Me. Do you have any David Gold handy? I want to show if you're that. Because this guy reminds me of him. But but yeah, I this, got some David Gold. For this, you. David, this is this guy. So tell me if you can understand this guy. He is making videos that I just don't understand why he's making them. And what's going into his head, really, is always... Man, that workout really tired me out. I've been running all day. Oh, boy. I need to... I mean, I haven't done any real cardio running, but I need to get started again. Give me... There it is. Like, what? Boy. Getting ready for that wrestling match. (laughs) And I can love me better than you can. (laughs) Okay, now. Come on, Veer. I will leave your country earlier if I see more. <laughs> I don't play. That's what I feel like, too. That's what I feel. Good yeah, Lord. I can't. I, is and he again, a college professor or something? Oh, like he, he look like that? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen this one. One of those days, I things just didn't seem to go right today. Everything was a nightmare. And a lot of headaches and little fires I had to put out, but nothing really worked my way. Well, the workout. And that's it? Yep, just oh ends right there. And he doesn't make any effort to... Oh, my. Oh, boy. Beautiful Saturday. <clears throat> kind of a cool breeze, but it's getting For a hot. cool guy. But I'm barbecuing goat anyway. What's he barbecuing? Goat. back here goat? by the fire. <laughs> Watching it cook. And now, beautiful. I, I tell you what, it, the, looking at David reminds me of uh, Blind Bob. What do you guys call him? Shit eye, Bob? Shit eyes, yeah. Shit eyes. Um, I want to expose you to this guy because I realized, I was thinking it last night in the middle of the night, I woke up thinking about this, that back in the day when Tom and Christina used to show me things like Shit Eye Bob, they'd go, what's up with this guy? And I would try to figure that out. But you guys have so thoroughly destroyed me that I, just, I now I've just go. Oh, it's a cool guy. I right. don't instead I don't of give diagnosing, you, you're like, show I, me more. I don't give you a good. I don't. Know, I for, I sort of forget to give you a good analysis. And Bobby's so fascinating that I thought, oh, I should I should talk a little more about what I think is going on with Bob. So you're going to have to experience Bob very right. okay. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Justin, I really like your videos. He's lying. I by hope the way. you continue to do them, um, and me being blind, please, I'd appreciate you um, doing them to where I can hear, and, you know, I'd like you to turn the recorder on when you go into the bathroom, and uh, let me hear you undo your belt, pull your pants down, set the toilet seat down, and sit down and do a good stream of pee in the water, and a good shit, um, and for me, since I can't see, if you could describe what what it looks like in the toilet, just... Um, just a fun thing, and um, you know, in other words, keep the recorder on from the begin- beginning to the end when you flush the toilet. Okay, uh, please get back with me and uh, let me know. Okay, thanks. So, so one second, you had a congressional hearing because you think China wants this man's data. <laughs> yes, yes, we the, care. <laughs> we care about you, about China spying on us. Oh, China spying on yeah. this guy. <laughs> well, they will be. He guys on TikTok. Oh, that's Lord. for sure. Oh, here's the video again. Anthony shitting August 23rd. <laughs> Holy shit. 2008. Um that was inter- interesting. The audio was really great on that. Uh name is Bob. I wouldn't mind you uh, doing some more 
videos like that and sending them to my channel. I like that kind of humor. It was fun. Um, a lot of these videos on here is too much clutter yeah. and noise and stuff like that. And um, Yeti's with his shirt off here. I'd be interested to to know what you were showing in the picture since I'm a blind person. But um, please get back with me. I sent you a message and uh, wouldn't mind uh, um, knowing more about what kind of video equipment you used. Um, I think it'd be fun to do some some fun videos. And as I say, this is fun kind of interesting. Yeti can't see them. Thank you. And uh, do some more. I got a question, Drew. Before you ask, I got to say, we just, we just, you, you, if you didn't watch carefully, you would have missed a fantastic moment because I just saw Veer go, oh my God, Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, oh, that was me when they first showed oh, me yeah, the RPC been, videos. Yeah, we've been watching. That, that's exactly what happened to me. And I, and on my experience when I had that reaction when they used to show me videos before I'd been indoctrinated was I'd feel bad for the person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But but so, also I'm confused because he's in the darkest room yeah. I've ever seen. Yes. But looks sunburned. <laughs> he looks yeah, translucent. He looks yeah. glowing. He's glowingly white. Wild. Oh, man. So I have a question here, Drew. Yes. Do blind people know if they have a shirt on? Yes. They can feel a you shirt. Know. Thank yeah. you, Chad. Yeah, you don't lose your nipples when you go <laughs> blind, man. They can still feel things. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he he gives off a little bit of a gay vibe. Do you get some of that? Right. This Am actually I... doesn't feel sexual to me. No, not at all for me either. Oh. I mean, the earlier one did, which is I want to hear you take a dump and all yeah. of that stuff. That yeah. felt a little, you know, ASMR-ish. Is yeah. that the word? Yeah. 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 Yes. Good pickup. ESMR indeed. Yeah. Uh, shit SMSR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, because, so it, maybe it does that too. So ESMR. ASMR. ASMR. ASMR, I beg your pardon. Um, sort of people get either kind of aroused, but they get kind of relaxed by it. Yeah. Right? And I, they, I actually heard people do not get aroused by ASMR. It, it, they don't use it's it. It's very for, relaxing. For like it's usually people it's, cutting something or eating something. But it's, it's typically a hot chick doing the ASMR, though, you know? And so there has to be some kind of a thing with I it. I saw this, I, I, don't, I don't know where I saw it, but it's this lady uh, who I think is from like Korea uh, or, or from, uh, from the region who smashes her face into bread. That's all she does. Is she buys a new loaf of bread, puts it in front of camera, smashes her face into it, and then you can hear her face smash into bread and the bread crumble around her face. Oh, that's an ASMR type yeah. thought. Yeah, and sound. it's mostly for the sound. And it is the most engaging content. Better than White Lotus. <laughs> better than anything that but I have seen. There she is. Is that her? Yeah, that's the lady. Oh my Instagram God. Instagram sensation. But there's a comedic element to it too. Yeah. It looks kind of funny. Uh oh, what's that? Oh, she has a big. So it's a. It must have some uh, S and M quality to it. She has a chain around her neck. Right? Yo. Right. Some sort yeah. of. I mean, there is any. There's almost any fetish you can imagine. Bread face. Bread face. Oh, look at that. That's. What would that be? It's a habit I've had for a long time, it I says just, here. I want her to marry the guy who chucked the Starbucks in the dustbin. And then that's no. the strangest couple in the world. No, no. They're just fucking up bread and Starbucks. Uh, we got stranger stuff to show you, evidently, <laughs> because she'd make a good match for some of our people here. That's really... Why does... You, will you please send that to Christina and Tom? Don't they need to look at that? The bread smashing? Yeah, they you got need, it. They need to see that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but the human is so interesting. No other animals don't do shit like this. Yeah, they, like they, dogs they, won't watch each other smash their face. Mammals, <laughs> even shim, you know, primates and things won't do this. So this is a uniquely human thing, right? And usually these 
compulsions or arousals or likes, whatever it is, or fun, as Bob would say it, come from intense experiences in childhood. Something was intense and it sort of became arousing. Remember I talked about trauma a few minutes ago? It's the same kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it just, like, to me, Bob is no different in principle, I Mm -hmm. guess, I would say, than a foot fetish. Yeah. Right? People like the feet. They're into that. And when you're a kid, you're down there at the feet, and mom has feet, and something maybe kind of, maybe it was just an intense feeling you had, kind of wires in a connection. And then when you hit puberty, that kind of intensity and feeling gets drug into the sexual realm through the biology, and then you have face smashing and bomb. Well, here's my question. Just because of where I live, Mumbai is kind of like a hustle city, right? Nobody has time. Okay. You, you have to survive Mumbai like Mumbai survives okay. you. Does it help to know where it comes from? Do you know what I mean? Does it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference, no. right? Like, no. who cares? Just smash your face into yes. the bread. Who cares, y- right? Correct. And that's a good point. Right. And, and nor would I dissuade somebody from being yeah. Bob or, or face masher. But, but I would know, like for Bob or for bread lady, would, <laughs> would knowing help her no. navigate in the opposite direction? It wouldn't change direction? a fucking thing. <laughs> it wouldn't change a damn thing. I mean, I, I imagine there's a world, I'm going to imagine, mm-hmm. no one would do this. Yeah. But there's a world where you could do some sort of deep psychoanalytic with, you know, with maybe with hypnosis and stuff. You could get at whatever the connection was. Yeah. Still, it might not change, right? <laughs> and so it's just a wiring. It's a it's yeah. a wiring thing. And and as Bob says, it's kind of fun. Doesn't hurt anybody. I just like to hear more shitting, please. And that's, that's, I it it's it it can mean things. Well, all right. So, so weird, extreme fetishes yeah. don't usually exist in a vacuum. There's usually other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I don't see it in Bob particularly, uh, and it, maybe it's just you know whatever he was hearing when he was a kid was sort of overwhelming in some way because he didn't see it. Most people, like we talked about earlier, are sort of attracted to things that remind them visually of things from the past. But aren't weird fetishes also closely linked to power and control and roles within power and control? Yes, some fetishes have you know? that. Yeah, people, or certainly that that's a feature of uh, what the arousal is about. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's what harks back to your past, right? Is is the, That's a different kind, but that can also. Yes, yeah. it can. Yeah. It, it's, it's There's different versions of this for different people, different settings and stuff. But yes, you can. And once again, the problem there's no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Go do your thing. Except sometimes people get re-traumatized or they hurt themselves because the the desire for that is gets increasing over time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, but I, not I, always. Not always. But, certainly not always. But see, I'm I'm the guy who's had so little sex in his life. I think my fetish is just gratitude. You know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, no game. So I'm the guy who just lies there. I'm like. Can we just acknowledge that this is a blessing? You know what I mean? I'm that. So I, I, I oh. can't tell a girl, go put on a goofy suit or something like that. I'm not that guy. Which reminds me what I wanted to ask you about when I lost my track of train of thought 40 minutes ago. When I was a kid, there was a big preoccupation in this country with Indian things. Oh, yeah? And, and it came in through the Beatles. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you guys, I don't know if you know this history, but the Beatles, from sort of Sergeant Pepper onward, went up to the Maharishi. They were living with. Yeah. They were living with yeah. him. It all turned out to be a little fucked up. He was having sex with the women, the usual culty things. Yeah, but also at some level, why do you keep showing up to find yourself in our country? Fucking find yourself on your own. Well, that uh, was sort of my take yeah. on it. it at the time, even. Yeah. And I recently saw a documentary about it. It's the Beatles in India, and it they didn't have a very good experience at all. Like, uh, and and I think they kind of bolted really quick that's correct yeah but they also seemed like usurpers to me like like they were like talk about uh, like uh, cultural appropriation it's mm -hmm. like we're here to take the, the real answer to live life is coming from what we understand about the indian culture and we're going to learn to play the uh, sitar and it was it felt very appropriating at a time when Americans were just interested in black lights and LSD and weird colors. It, and It feels surface level to me, to be honest, surface level. Like, I, I don't think putting... I, I'm not even sure it was surface level. Yeah. It was just their version of it, sort of, in a way. Yeah, right? I don't think putting on... Like, I read a book the other day, and I'm not going to take his name, but just like a, an Indian guru who primary, primarily sort of sell spirituality to the West. So he's based here. Okay, uh, right? so that's what I'm zeroing in on. Yeah. That's not appreciating Indian culture. Not at all. It's, it's, it's chicken tikka masala. It doesn't exist back home. That's what I figured. Yoga you know what was I mean? invented over here. Yeah, we invented yoga, that shit. Yeah, for, you invented it and then they brought it over here and it yeah. became yoga, essentially. So, I read the opening chapter of this book, right? And it said, every man has an inside and an outside. Really? You fucking genius? Uh, you know, it's basic, shallow, surface level stuff. Real spirituality and a real sort of integrating into... Indian spirituality and, and how deep it is takes time. It's not five joints and a visit to the mountains. It doesn't I, happen. I that heard way. a guy, a colleague, who said that when he was, uh, I think he said 15, yeah. his mother threw down a mat and went, Enlighten. <laughs> in other words start practicing start yeah. practicing and see if you can get somewhere with also, it also I don't know what you guys do with yoga but now there's fucking puppies and goats and bill yeah and, uh, right uh, goats on your back and stuff it's all been our bullshit yeah. so is there anything that would be that you could imagine that India could appropriate to take to India that would give us an understanding of what we're appropriating from you I think McDonald's or Mac well, we have McDonald's we have but, everything but I mean isn't that sort of the same thing over there it's like yeah we're not just McDonald's but that's what's here yeah, I, I I don't think that there's sort of a a basic view of America that America is these five things. Yes, you know? yes. So, but is there something that that we do here that I would be like, no, 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 that's just a surface thing. Don't 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 take that as something reflective of who we really are. Yeah. Here's what I do know about yeah. uh, American tourists specifically, and I say this with all due respect to Americans. Peace and love. Peace and love uh, all over the world is, I can go anywhere in the world. And in five minutes or, or 10 years, I'm dressed like an Indian. I'm just dressed like myself. American tourists show up in a fucking country and in five minutes start dressing like their version of what they think the locals look like. Oh, interesting. You know, so in five minutes you have like the Hare Krishna beads yes. and the saffron kurta yes. or the, the the French beret. To be fair, if they go to Disneyland, they put on Mickey Mouse sweatshirts and yeah. things. That seems to be our thing is to adorn ourselves with labels. So ironically, if you're walking the streets of Paris, the most French dressed person, you're like, that's an American. Interesting. And yet, and yet the thing that bums me out is Americans won't spend five minutes learning the language that they're in the country they're going to well, visit. I mean, French is complicated, right? But Still, you can make a little effort. <laughs> Indian's complicated. If I were going to India, I would learn some. I went to uh, Portugal and yeah. I tried to learn a little Portuguese. I just think it's 
it's um, respectful. Just a little bit. Expose yourself. It's an important part of their culture. I do think, though, to be fair, like the whole Americans Babble. don't know any- com, everybody. Or bab- <laughs> <laughs> don't forget Babbel. Less and less. I, I think the whole Americans don't know anything about the world shtick is less and less valid every year. That, I, I think, it's true. You know, I think that it's a so. smaller world, for sure. I think now. that's true. We're, but you we know? still are very self- reflective you know we're very uh sure insulated in a weird way because such a we're just on this thing we're yeah. the whole continent all right let's uh what do i want to watch next uh gosh Ooh, i have this very interesting thing that i okay let's do it take on all right here we go um all right yeah so christina has been obsessed with this guy have you heard of dr brian johnson no i don't think he's so a anti-aging scientist okay uh d- yeah just listen to these crazy precautions that he's taken Oh, God. I achieved oh, a world yes. record in reducing my epigenetic age. Yes. I slowed my rate of aging by 24%. I have 50 perfect biomarkers, 100 biomarkers that are less than my chronological age. My body runs three degrees cooler than average. And all these things happened because I empowered my organs to express what they wanted instead okay. of my mind tyrannically overpowering the well-being of everything else about me to get its purpose. To me, the first step in imagining becoming a better human for me was putting my mind in check because it was running wild and it was ruining so much of what I cared about in life. It may still be doing that. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's a little more. Oh boy. My team and I make recipes and we try to create the perfect diet. So I consume 2,150 calories a day and we try to make every single calorie perfectly suited for my body. Don't waste a single thing. And so this represents all of our scientific work, all evidence-based medicine. We try to have zero guesswork. It's all based upon hundreds of measurements from my body. They generate the data, look at that from evidence-based medicine, and we then formulate the recipes. My conscious mind is never consulted about what it wants to eat. My body is. So these measurements ask my liver and my heart and my DNA methylation what they need to thrive as biological processes and organs in my body. And it generates data. It says, I'm happy in this way and I'm sad in these ways. The reason why I take 100 pills a day is if the budget is 2,000 calories a day and the objective is perfect nutrition Mm -hmm. and it's vegan, this is what keeps my body in that perfect state. And so this is why a lot of people who do try to go vegan or do caloric restriction fail is because their body's missing critical, important pieces of nutrition. This is what I did is I put myself on this. I call this my autonomous self. It's a 2,000 calories a day, an hour of exercise a day. It's vegan. I just let my body run. So look at muscle mass, body fat. I measure all these things, full body MRI of fat of liver and then we say how is this doing and it's working like it basically has tuned my body to near perfect health yeah i'm happy he's empowering his organs because if there's one thing white men need it's more empowerment (laughs) yes indeed yes indeed more special organs how Uh, old is he 87 no no um he's 45 Eh. there's a reason that doctors drink and smoke because the reason is is that almost no matter what you do shit happens yeah shit happens we are biological agents shit happens and life is if if you make it all about sort of you and your health and mm-hmm. your eternity and whatever life becomes not worth living at a certain point yeah it's not fun it's not interesting there's no Point in solitary longevity is the even it's he feels very solitary, doesn't he? I, he does. I, and by the way, if he's you know he's going to risk his life by having sex with somebody or something, I, whatever it feels it feels very self preoccupied, very 
I mean, really what gives life meaning is other people and being of service to other people. Yeah, not, I, not. I mean, you can give yourself a long life, but other people make you feel alive, right? And, yeah. and, and I think, I don't know if this man feels alive a lot. Yeah, it's, you know? it'll be interesting when he gets uh, colon cancer at 53. And he's getting MRIs, which really don't do shit, don't tell you really anything, or get hit by a bus, right. Mm-hmm. Or is he getting colonoscopies every year? Is he getting upper endoscopies every year? Is I he... mean, he's spending millions of dollars on anti-aging. And he's a was a tech guy or something? Uh, science science guy. A science guy. Mm-hmm. Do we know but, what what field? But anti aging yeah, for who? That's that's my thing. You know, for who and to what end? Right. Is, so he's the CEO of Kernel, a company that can monitor and record brain activity, uh, and OS fund a venture capital firm that invests in early stage science and technology companies. All right, but it, he he really he doesn't seem to understand science. That with the the way he's you you. As you know, there's a famous the nutritionist named Kate Shanahan, a friend of mine, she's a physician, family doctor, but she was a biochemist in another life. And she goes, you know, just, just the simple fact of digestion is way too complicated for us to say almost anything. She goes, but I can say these kinds of fats are bad, these kinds of fats are good. That's something I say something specific about. You have to, if you're going to talk about cancer, it's got to be so narrow, excuse me, if you're going to talk about science in the human physiology, it's got to be very, very narrow. Otherwise, you're really just guessing. It's just to talk about the macro level and the physiology and organs being happy. What does that mean? Does that, I, I don't know what a happy mean? organ is. I don't either. I don't, I don't know when my liver's happy. Thank you very much. Um, so, my friend, uh, that comes to the end of our journey. This been, I knew it would be interesting to talk to you. because This I'm, was so much fun. Thank good. you for having I'm, I'm me. Glad, I'm glad you liked it because I, I learned a bit as always and uh, I just think it's fascinating what you're doing and, uh, and particularly that you're able, of all things, to be able to do comedy in multiple cultures. That is hard. It's just hard enough to speak the language in different parts of the world, but to do something as nuanced as comedy, that's uh, hats off. It is, I think I've waited, you know, as in, I've watched American comedians all my life and, and I've kind of waited for this moment my entire life where the world is so small right now. I thought I would start working in this country and kind of have to do your version of me. Yeah, you'd be yeah. like Jakob Smirnov. Uh, you know, and, <laughs> Do you know and who very, that is? Yeah and, yeah, and and very slowly you discover that the more authentic you are and able to take an American audience member to some place they've never been yes. before, yes. Um, that's a stronger voice and it come, becomes, ironically, working here makes it more important to do you. Yes, that makes sense uh, to, to me. And to bring back home. Well, authenticity is something that... Uh, brings us in yeah we, we come towards you and like tell me more <laughs> it's like yeah. and then if you can punch them with a laugh then then it sticks so yeah. well great to meet you great to spend time sir. with you and for everyone else we will see you next time all conversations and information exchanged during participation of the dr drew after dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.